I believe that a person can build a retireable amount of passive income with doing just about nothing. And I don't say that because I'm a get rich quick person. I say that because a lot of what stops people from taking action is complexity and like a certain amount of work. Fortunately, we exist in a field where everything you need to analyze, find, buy, stabilize an income generating property can be done by somebody in a position that's very well understood. Well, I'm excited to welcome to the show, Matt Cavanaugh of the Freedom Chasers podcast. How are we doing, brother? Doing great, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. It's always uh, good to connect with another Freedom Chaser, right? I think yeah. that's uh, something that you guys are very passionate about that you talk a lot about on your show. You've interviewed, well, how many interviews are you on now? Uh, we are 115. I think we've released about 50. Oh, dang. You guys got a lot in the hopper. We do. We do five to seven a week. So we do them all on Fridays and we just, that's our podcast that we crank out. That's very cool, man. And you know what? I, I know obviously passion for you is helping other people, you know, find their path and, you know, chase that and that freedom, whatever that definition looks like for them. But where where did this all start for you? Yeah, I mean, like there's elements of it that started from childhood, you know, just that desire. I, I, you know, I don't know if you're the same, but I just never liked having people telling me how to do life and those those elements. And so just being in school, then being an, an employee, just I just always had this natural crave for freedom to do things differently and being a nonconformist even more so like I just like trying new things even if they're not going to work as well and so that that like as a personality trait was was always what led me down this path but then it got to a certain point too where you you believe that you can actually create more change than maybe another person and so giving everybody the opportunity or or helping them find their opportunity to make an impact is it's kind of core to who I am that's awesome, man. And so when you kind of got into adulthood, what did kind of the, the, the first real swing at the plate look like for going after financial freedom? Was it, you know, one that uh, you had a clear vision and path and focus on? Or was it kind of like, hey, I'm stepping into the batter's box and I'm going to figure this out as I go? Uh, way more of the latter. So I was a math teacher. I got my degree in math and was teaching and would have probably done that my whole life because I love the kids and I love seeing the light bulb go on. But in my second year of teaching, they cut our pay eight and a half percent, which was started at 40. So we went to like 36 or something while they raised the administration's pay 2%. And there was just something so wrong to me about that, that not only was it the fact that now 36 is a lot harder to live on than 40, but then there's the element of, hey, these $150,000 employees got a 2% raise. And so I just knew I needed to do something different. And so some mentors and my dad kind of encouraged me to go the sales route. Although I had no sales experience, it was just not like not in my DNA. My wife was not like, she's a very supportive wife, but was not supportive of that. She's like, you're a noble teacher, not some slimy salesperson. And you're not like a slick talker anyways. And so the, the big thing for me that changed everything was when I went and started watching salespeople. And then I saw a couple where I'm like, dude, if that guy can make $120,000 a year, like I'll be fine. And right. so just seeing somebody else do it. So I went into B2B sales, which completely transformed everything for me because it gave me a confidence that money is just giving people value and being able to ask good questions. But coming from being a teacher and in the ministry, those were like the prime training grounds for how to ask great questions, how to get to know people. And so sales actually became very, very easy. And then after that, it was like, well, where can't you go in life if you can create money on the, you know, on the fly by just selling stuff? So... 
Did you have that same kind of stigma around salespeople that your wife did? Oh, 100%. So yeah. how, how did you rewire that? Because I know for a lot of people, right? I mean, sales, the people who are extremely successful often go, well, I learned how to sell and sell really, really well, right? And I know for a lot of people that want to unlock more income, understanding sales processes and techniques and strategies is the name of the game. But there oftentimes happens to be that mental hurdle or roadblock that then becomes a physical roadblock for actually getting into a position where you can sell authentically, you know, doing it in a way that obviously is leading with value first, doing the right thing. What, what did your process look like? Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions and of course larger deals and paydays all around we call this deep sales and linkedin has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of linkedin sales navigator right now our millionaire mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try linkedin sales navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast that's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Yeah, I mean, I think the first, there's multiple hurdles. Uh, hurdle number one was just the fact that I think people who are not exposed properly to sales have this impression that all salespeople are trying to make a sale, even if it's not good for the person that they're selling to. And just recognizing that that's not the case. There are a lot of unethical salespeople out there, but there's a lot of people that will only sell a product to somebody or a service if it's truly a benefit. And so recognizing that as a salesperson myself, I had the ability to choose which one I wanted to be. And so, and that more effort, more work, more calls in essence would lead me to enough prospects that I could do that ethically. So I just figured, okay, so overcoming hurdle number one was just, I work harder. But then the second thing you start to realize is there's actually an element of sales I don't think people talk about a lot, which is sometimes selling is the act of helping somebody who needs something get over their own hurdles. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, learning sales is essentially learning how humans operate, what their language is, how to trigger action. And so recognizing that without good salespeople, sometimes other people live inferior lives. And so like, I just sold a client on the idea of selling their home, taking the equity and investing and renting. And, and so like a lot of the culture right now says you should never sell your home and then rent. But we've already helped this guy replace all of his rental income plus a lot. This guy's going to go from being a bus driver to financially free in three years because he made that jump. But that's, that's all a result of the sales skills that I built is now able to be persuasive, but I wouldn't persuade somebody to do something that would hurt them, right? So I think that's been the big shift is recognizing that once you know the language of persuasion, you actually can persuade people to do things that are in their best interest. 
So when you got into sales, what was your first sales position? Oh, it was horrible. Uh, no, the position wasn't horrible. Like I was horrible. Um, in fact, my boss said I was the worst salesman he had ever hired when, when I started. My voice cracked. I mean, it was terrible. But it was a B2B industrial uh, sales job. So six month to five year um, like sales cycles because they already had existing contracts. So you would have to get through the gatekeepers, get to the decision maker, build a relationship, wait for their contract to expire, hope that the incumbent didn't do something amazing to save them and then close them. And so it was just a long, arduous sales process. Best thing that could have ever happened to me because real estate was way easier than this, this sales job. But just like I started, like, like most people do, I'm better in person on the phone. That's, that's the lie I told myself. And then at some point you realize, well, if I learn the phones, I make a lot more money and I get to do it from home. And so it was just a process of recording myself, watching it, recording myself, watching, and then looking at recordings of people who are great. And then going, okay, well, here's the difference. Like, this is why this guy closed more. It's because he knows these specific subsets of how to talk and how to do these things. And so I just repped and repped and repped until, uh, until I was good. When did you get kind of that, that first uh, stride in your kind of sales journey? Like for a lot of people, right? They, they wonder how long is it going to take? Most people give up before they actually start to hit, you know, some real success. What did that look like for you? I like I was earning my keep inside of six months. And then I was in the top percentages within a year. Nice. And who are you following that kind of you thought model wise was good to study and learn from and kind of be whether it was a physical mentor or somebody online that you kind of virtually, you know, were digging into their content? What, what who was the person that was kind of uh, speaking into your world? Yeah. So I had, um, I did like a little bit of Jordan Belfort, Grant Cardone, those types, but like from a, that was more tactical from like an overall philosophy. It was really like I would pull from my roots, uh, you know, in, in, in ministry and serving people. And so I, I was very heavily focused on like, how do I help people? There was a couple moments that really stood out to me. One was one of my mentors in that business told me like, Hey, there's a magic moment that happens in sales. Like if you, if you focus first on relationship and the only thing you're talking about is connecting to them, to the prospect relationally, not about business there's a, you do that as long as you can. And there's a point in the conversation that something shifts, like they'll shift in their chair. Something will happen in their disposition, their tone that tells you it's time to talk about business. But until that point happens, you're hundred percent relational. And that like, it seemed nebulous when they told me, but then it actually became pretty easy to identify. And one of the things that solidified that as, as a good strategy was I was selling to a guy for about an hour, no, nothing about the business, just about baseball and whatever. At the end of the hour, he goes, I'm so thankful your company is a great company to work with, like, and they actually hire good sales reps. So like, he basically signed a contract for like $5 million. And we hadn't talked about like our company. We hadn't talked about our prices. It was wild. It just kind of like had me realize like what really is involved in, in uh, sales. And like from there, I just tried to do everything I could to expand on that, which is how do you quickly build trust, build relationship? And then usually the close or the sales portion is like, 10% of the whole process. Yeah, for sure. So then as you began to get deeper into your sales journey and kind of, you know, building that skill, getting some results, building the confidence, what was it that took you down the path of entrepreneurship and kind of going, all right, it's time to bet on myself and get outside of, you know, working for somebody else? Yeah. So I love seeing problems and, and things and fixing them. So we had a, a paper contract process. So it was 37 pages of paperwork that we would fill out Physically, like it would get trucked down to the, the corporate or not the corporate headquarters, but the plant. 
they would then type it in. And then like, so nothing was electronic. And this is like 2011. I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I said, hey, is there any plans in the future for us to code something like this? They said, no. So I just did it. And like I did it in FileMaker. So it's not like a crazy, you know, it's not like C++ earning, but it worked. So I coded this, this solution. And now our contract, instead of taking two weeks to process, we're taking like two hours. And so the local team loved it. So they sent me up to corporate. Well, it was like a long corporate conversation, but they ended up hiring a company for $2 million to build out what I had already c- completed. Um, and so that was pretty like disappointing to say like, you know, why don't we just use this? We don't have 10,000 reps. There's only 350. So there was just like a number of things that happened um, that it was like, I think I'd be better off on my own. And I probably, because coming from a teaching salary of 40,000 to going to like 120,000 was life-changing for me. Yep. And and so I, I think it would have been hard for me to go, let's leave this secure job. I'm, I'm a single income provider for our family. My wife stays at home. So it would have been hard to leave that. But then with those things happening, it just made it super easy. Um, and so... And what did, well, what did that look like? Did you yeah. decide, how, how did you kind of decide where, you know, that, that sandbox you were going to play in was going to be? So I, the first rule I had for myself was I wanted to be in an industry where what I was involved in also I could invest in. So I was looking at stocks, I was looking at real estate, and then in studying it, because security was important to me, because uh, of being the sole income provider, real estate seemed less risky because yes, prices go up and down, but it's not like generally overnight. It's like you get to see the cycles. Yep. The assets hold value. So I just started studying real estate. And then when I found out that, that expireds were a thing, that literally you could pull a list of people that could, could theory do business that day if, if you were good enough on the phones, that was like it for me. I was like, I don't have to wait six months to five years to close a deal. So I, I got my license and did expireds. And I think we had listed eight within eight weeks and yeah, the rest was history. Rest was history. And then you built out your real estate company. And yep. what did that consist of? Yeah. So I went a couple different models. I had a mentor who was tremendous. Like he told me, Matt, your first year, you need to make 250. Your second year, you need to make 500,000. Your third year, you need to make a million. And so we, we did. I, I kind of like joke with him. I'm like, why didn't you just double those numbers? I probably would have hit whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you set the bar too low for me, bro. Come on. That's right. Um, but he was very adamant. Like you need to build a team right away. And I actually think that advice wasn't, wasn't the best advice for me. Uh, I, I wish I would have sat in the producer seat a little bit longer. And then the way that I would have built the team would have been way different. So mm. the way that I construct my team now was not how I constructed it originally. So originally I had the standard model of a lot of agents, but, but now I do more of like a partnership model and we keep it super lean. So we have licenses in a handful of states, and, but still there's only a handful of people for all those states. And so it's a, it's a much... Uh, more, you know, I think profitable models. So there was definitely some some road bumps in that. But everything shifted for me in 2018 when my buddy kept pestering me about getting into investments. And he goes, if nothing else, Matt, just tell people you're an investor and just see what happens. Well, by just doing that, I ended up buying two properties here in the Valley where $50,000 down on, on each of them. Within a year, like it was like we were pulling out 440K when we sold those. So we ended up 1031 exchanging that 440,000 into three properties in the outskirts of Chicago. And those properties now rent for 11,300 a month. And so just kind of starting to compare business models, it was run 100 plus transactions a year with the team, make quarter million to three quarters of a million dollars a year, or do five transactions, which are all like super easy because like I'm the buyer. So I get to make the decisions. 
And now we have 700,000 in equity and 11,300 a month in rents. And it was like, it, it, it just, you can't unsee that. Um, and so th that's been the thing for the last three, four years is like, hey, like there's hard ways to do this game. And then there's much, much easier ways. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, I mean, let's, let's break down kind of the, the process of that a little bit. Cause I think a lot of people feel so stuck on the path that they're on for, you know, for the, you know, average person that they don't feel like they have the time or the resources to kind of break away and start something new. And a lot of people who listen to our show make decent, if not good, great income, but they're not necessarily leveraging that income in a way that unlocks more freedom for them. They might be increasing what they make every year, but it's not necessarily creating more freedom for them. So how did you really look at approaching, I make decent money, but now I really want to start leveraging this money and unlocking more time freedom for myself, more income freedom for myself without having to trade that time. What did that process look like for you when you were first starting out? Okay. I think you're going to like this. And I think your audience is really going to like this. Like I didn't have to do very much. And so I believe that a person can build a retireable amount of passive income with doing just about nothing. And I don't say that because I'm a get rich quick person. I say that because a lot of what stops people from taking action is complexity and like a certain amount of work. Fortunately, we exist in a field where everything you need to analyze, find, buy, stabilize an income generating property can be done by somebody in a position that's very well understood. Everybody knows that agents have a certain function, appraisers have a certain function, inspectors, like every part of the process, you can hire a professional to do it and still make tons of money. So I, I believe you could build a portfolio and do nothing but make a decision on what you want to buy. And so not that it, it didn't exactly happen like that for me, but it wasn't that far off. And now that I've studied it, like you, it's so doable. The properties came to me like, and now granted, I was an agent. So if someone's on an agent, they may not have this benefit. But literally, I had two people that said, hey, can you help me sell this property? But they were in such distress because of their timeframes with the, with the banks, they didn't have an option to hit the market. And so I said, hey, would you like me to make a cash offer? Would you like me to bring you a lot of cash offers? And I just literally made offers that people wanted. And so if you're not an agent, then you just have an agent bring those to you. So agent brings you the deal, an appraiser analyzes the value, an inspector analyzes the condition, a property manager manages the property. Like it's all done for you. Um, and so as long as you're buying assets below market value or you're buying cash flowing assets, the time really is just in picking five or 10 professionals in analyzing deals. Like you could build 10 to $20,000 a month in a year, like spending two to five hours a week, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really comes down to that network, right? I love what you said earlier. And a lot of people I know hear this question when they're talking to people. And this was something that I started doing a, a few years back where usually when you're, you know, having genuine conversation, you're networking, you're asking what people are up to, da, 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 right? When you're done asking all your questions and they're done talking, oftentimes if they're you know a, a kind reciprocal type of person, they're going to go, hey, what's going on in your world? How can I help you? Well, what do you got going on? And I always tell people to have like that one ask, right? So that way you can actually tell somebody when they ask you that question, instead of saying, oh, I think, you know, I'm good, man. Thanks. It was great catching up. I have a very purposeful ask every time and it's never changed. It's always been around the criteria of what kind of asset I'm looking for. Mm 
So for me, my number one ask always is, hey, you know, I got some cash that I'm looking to deploy into another real estate investment, whether it's a hotel or this or that, my main assets that I buy. I put people on notice so that way at least their radar is turned on to the fact that I am looking and if and when you come across that opportunity, hey, bring it to me, man. That would be the best way you could help bring value to my world. And so I think for people listening, right, crafting and curating what your one ask is after you're done genuinely, you know, showing interest and asking how you can bring value to other people, the right person is going to reciprocate that ask and you having a very clear response to that can really what you just talked about, right? Go out and build, I call it building your army of people that are on the front lines, looking for opportunities, having conversations. And if and when one crosses their plate that falls into your kind of arena or bucket, hopefully they're going to bring that to you. And it sounds like that's kind of been the way you've built your network. I know networking and, you know, building relationships of something of significant value for a lot of people. I know it's something that you put a lot of time and energy and effort into. What is the science and psychology around networking and building out your database look like for you? Oh, gosh. So I am, I'm extroverted by the definition. So like I'll define these because some, some people define them differently. Extroverted is like I get energy from people. Um, but I, I am generally like if the topic is not business or something along those lines, it's hard for me to feel super social. So like I have a fairly limited amount of things that I get a lot of joy in talking about. And so one of the things that like I struggled with with networking events, I struggled with like a lot of the small talk that happens at a lot of these events. And so when I discovered podcasting, it was like unbelievably game-changing for me. Like this idea, like you and I have never met in person. And literally within five minutes, we're talking about things that we're passionate about. And we'll have a connection potentially forever. Yep. And so I felt like for me, podcasting was a cheat code. Because I would get to reach out to the people that I wanted to have a conversation with about topics that I wanted to talk about, but that they also wanted to talk about. And so the it, it was a personality fit. And so we're putting out like a little um, 20 page document about like some of our journey. And so we, we should be complete within with about a month. But we built like 115 relationships, quality relationships with multimillionaires in the last six months, just by these interviews, people that I could call, I could text. And like, Thinking about my prior 35 years of life, like that more in six months than probably I would have done in 500 lifetimes had I just gone the prior path. So for me, it's just, it's about finding a method that, that you like. If it's, if it's actually at events, great. But for me, not having to fly out, just getting to skip all the small talk, like that, that to me is like the ultimate uh, networking, you know, so, so podcasting at like 100%. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network 
and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. So choosing kind of your your medium being a very important way of how you best feel you can connect and bring value. And and obviously it's scalable for you, right? Which is 100%. instead of getting face-to-face with 115 people at an event, right? You have the ability to do it right in your home office and, you know, still be with your family and all of that kind of stuff. So I love that you kind of talked about that. And as you started building out, you know, more of your investment portfolio, you started building out your network. You obviously are always looking for ways to elevate and sharpen your own, you know, acts. What is your kind of practice around education, skilling up, you know, look like as somebody who's obviously financially, you know, bringing in some great opportunities and income, but looking for more, what does that look like in terms of how you challenge yourself on a daily basis? Yeah. So, so being a person that grew up with humble means, I... I probably like don't have like some of the same ambitions that a lot of people do as far as like net worth goals. Like I don't like to see it being stagnant, but I, I defined early in the process. So a few years ago, I said, well, what amount of money if I hit, would I be comfortable with where I could then really step more into like mission and purpose more than like wealth growth? Yep. And so I thought about it and I thought, well, if my income is coming from rentals, then I don't really have to worry about um, inflation over the years because the rent will inflate. So I said, the number that works for me today will likely work for me in 50 years if it's based on, on cash flow. So for me at that point, it was 15,000. Like if I have no bills and make 15,000 a month, and, and, and no doubt I could live on less, but 15,000 a month, it, to me, like I can, I can travel, I can, I can live comfortably, then I would rather spend time focused on, on like I serve in the business, but like true service. And so that, that was always the metric I set. And so that's why we're moving in the podcasting direction. So all of like my self-development practices are now surrounding on like consuming information that I can then pass on and yeah. it still affects me. So um, I'm greatly impacted by our podcast guests, um, not, not to mention the books that we read. Like right now I'm reading um, for the second time, Power of One More by Ed Milet. Mm. Um, I think he is a master communicator. What'd you, what'd, uh, I agree with that. What'd you think of that book, by the way? And what were some of your takeaways from it? Yeah, so I mean just a reminders, if nothing else, of the impact of controlling, you know, the emotional side of your, of the house, as he calls it, the, I loved how he went into questions, you know, like sometimes if we're, if we're getting involved in negative thinking about ourselves or about others, about ideas, like the types of structural questions that he asked himself to make sure that he's continually putting his mindset in a growth mindset and never letting circumstances negatively impact him. Uh, was pretty powerful. And I have a 13-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old daughter, and then we have two little, little kids. But we're going through stuff like that every night with our kids and just 
helping them. And um, it, it, the power it's even having on me trying to help instill it in our kids is, is pretty powerful. That's amazing, man. I, I want to talk about that a little bit, you know, passing on this wisdom, this, you know, value to your, your kids, to your employees, to others. Like what, what does that discipline and practice look like for you? Obviously you're pouring into yourself, you're learning, you're expanding. How are you shepherding this information in terms of being a leader to other people around you that you want to impact? Yeah. So, and it looks a little bit differently, of course, with our kids and it does our, 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 even our podcast team. So I'll kind of share both. So with our kids, we started to become more routine and structured. I don't think I placed in myself or in my family enough of a priority on physical health. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have shifted to where we all have standard wake up times now. And so we're going to bed two hours earlier as a family now than we used to. So that way, every morning, our kids wake up, they have physical exercise before they go to school even. Um, And so there's, there's that element. And then the evening is the last thing that you know, most nights, I won't say every night, but most nights, the last thing we're talking about is a self-development topic. Right mm-hmm. now, them being 13 and 10, we're just like conflict resolution, conflict prevention. <laughs> so there's a lot of that. Like, how, how do you interpret what they're saying to you? Like, okay, there's, you don't have to assume malicious intent, even though you guys do fight a lot. Um, so there's like those types of things. But in the, in the podcasting team, it's really about mission. It's like reminding myself, reminding the team, like, why are we here? Like, Tim and I aren't there to make money is not the driving force of why we're doing what we're If we wanted to make more money, we'd buy more investments. It's clearly a better play. Mm-hmm. We're there to make impact on people. So we try and remind ourselves and keep our avatar close to us in the sense of like, who was I? How was I feeling when I was teaching and I was struggling? And we had to decide on a Friday night, do we go out for pizza or do we run the AC? That's how tight we were financially. And so it's like keeping that person in mind. It's, it's the 85% of people that on the polls say they don't like their job. And it's like, if we, if we reach another person, maybe that person is, gets to now break away from that difficulty. So those are the types of things um, that, that really like we, we focus on with our, in our meetings with our team is like, who are we helping? And like, we need to be better so that we can better help that person. So let's let's talk a little bit about the Freedom Chasers podcast. Why did you guys name it the Freedom Chasers podcast? And who is the Freedom Chasers podcast for? Yeah. So right now, primarily, we serve agents that, that want to become investors, or maybe they don't know they should become investors, but, but we're encouraging them to. And then anybody who's thinking about investing in general. The reason we named it Freedom Chasers, which is not necessarily a real estate name, was because like long-term vision is like, I love critical thinking and I hope to inspire critical thinking in a lot of people. So I didn't want the brand to be limited just to real estate, but for now that's our, that's our avatar. So as, as that continues to scale, we will at certain point probably open up different lanes that, that we can impact people in a, in their life. So. And obviously you guys interview all kinds of different people who have found kind of, you know, freedom, their definition of freedom in a lot of different facets of real estate investing and, you know, the real estate ecosystem as a whole, what are some of those lanes and paths for unlocking freedom that you guys have seen in some of your guests? So I think one of the things that I get most excited about is removing complexity and making the path to success much shorter. Yeah. So the things that we've noticed is a lot of times in business, I think we overcomplicate things by 
saying how many deals we're going to do and all the systems that we need to put in place. We've interviewed a lot of people that were tired off of one deal. And the deal wasn't even that complex. And so I would much rather like hopefully inspire people to realize like, just buy one, just buy the right deal. And you'll, because most people, like if you ask them 10 to 20,000 for most Americans is the number, the answer you get when you ask them, how much do you need per month to not, yep. to not work? And so like, there's a number of GoBros that like, we just interviewed Shane McGraw that was in uh, like Seattle, Bremerton area. Like he's gonna make $2 million on a deal or 10K a month passive, one deal, you know, just driving for dollars. So like, I think that's probably the biggest thing is maybe it's it's not necessarily like, so there's all kinds of avenues. There's Airbnb, short-term rentals. Like there's so many different ways that people are doing it. But I would say we more focus on like, what's what's a single property that you can retire on or maybe three to five at the most so that you don't have to think about building systems because it's not even worth building systems in my opinion for just one property or three to five. Um, so- and on those deals, are those generally commercial real estate? I mean, obviously, I know a lot of people are going, okay, that's a lot of single families I need to buy to get to ten or 20000 a month. What are some of the asset classes and how are people kind of attacking, you know, buying these uh, types of opportunities? Yeah. So my journey was three single family houses in the outskirts of Chicago, which has great rents, and we rent them by the room. So we have 13 tenants in three houses. So you guys got the SRO model, single room occupancy. Exactly. And that, and that was, it was already established. That was the funny thing. It's like, I didn't even think of it. Um, I just bought it. Um, so bought something that was already kind of set up and established for you, right? So there's yeah. one way of doing it, right? Instead of having to build it from the ground up, you buy something and you optimize. Buy and optimize. Yeah. And it was interesting. That particular seller had a portfolio of 10 houses and he valued them based on their income, not based on the property value. And so basically, more or less, all the properties were the same, but but some properties were worth twice as much as other properties. Um, and so we were able to give him exactly what he wanted. And we we really were trying to encourage him to list the properties because that would have been his best outcome. So we were very clear with him, um, which I think is necessary if you're being an agent and an investor. We're very clear with what the market value was. But he still said, hey, no, I'll sell you these properties for 440 and they're worth 795 And so it was a super, super wild thing. but. So there's single room occupancy. There's actually almost all of these deals are are just modifications of income strategies on single family residential or like small multifamily. But like one guy, there's a lot of people in the land business that are doing really cool stuff. So like we had a number of interviews where people are creating ten to twenty thousand dollars by just buying land, then taking the land and putting them into ten acre or thirty acre plots. And so they buy it on seller finance and sell it on seller finance. And the spread is like 10,000 a month. So they're, they're not paying a penny to, to buy the property. And they're, then they're making a 10K spread for 20 to 30 years. And is this rural dirt, like out in the middle of nowhere? Texas, is yeah. Kind of mm-hmm. outskirts? So, okay, yeah. so it is in Texas. Yeah. Yeah, most of them. I mean, there's other places, but Texas in general, and, and don't quote me on this because I'm just repeating something somebody said. I haven't done research on it, but is that in Texas, most places... It's like an automatic, easy, you just file papers and you can get things down to 10 acres. Like yep. in Colorado, it's more like 36. So because Texas is so lenient on how small you can subdivide without having to go through the big process, it's really easy to buy land and, and uh, get it cut down in 10 acre parcels and resell it. What's one of the most memorable interviews you've had and why? Oh, geez. I, I love the psychology aspect. I love people's stories. We just got done with one. We're going to release here in a few weeks. That was a guy who went through the foster care system. 
And he he was sent to Child Protective Services at age of four because of all the, the abuse that he'd went through. And he went through five homes by the sixth grade. And the way that he was rejected was so notable because it wasn't even just like he had switched homes. It was like he had been adopted and unadopted. And oh. like, I mean, it was brutal. Um, and so like just hold it like as an interviewer, it was so hard to like, like not just lose it. Um, well, then now he... He just bought a $1.1 million commercial building on a um, 1031 exchange. So he's still fairly early in his journey investing, but he's rapidly approaching financial freedom. And from his starting point, it, it was nuts. Um, so so, so really those are- we'll make sure that people know how to find you, how to tune yeah. in, how to check out more of the content. Where is the best place for them to do that if they want to listen to the podcast or check out some of the other stuff you guys got going on? Yeah. So I think we sent you a link tree. If not, we'll make sure we get you. So there's a link tree that then can guide people to our free Facebook group and then into the different sites to listen to the podcast. Awesome. Matt, brother, it's been an absolute pleasure connecting with you you today. Uh, Thank you for coming on the show and and just what you guys are doing, man. You're putting out some amazing content. It's awesome connecting with you and hearing more about your uh, freedom journey and and what you've been chasing along the way. I'm curious what's what's next for you, man. Yeah. I mean, we're just 100% 100% dedicated. I feel like we married this idea of of podcasting. And, and so like, I think I, I certainly hope five or 10 years from now, I'll be in the same, same doing the same thing. Results might look a little different, but doing the same thing. What's the big yeah. vision? Like, the do big, you think, is it, is it to have a certain amount of downloads per year? Is it a certain amount of people impacted? Like, how are you measuring kind of the success and growth of, uh, of the podcast vision? Yeah, obviously we keep an eye on the analytics, but the analytics all serve one function, which is impacting lives. So as we continue to get more exposure and people reach out to us more and more, like we will measure it in quantity and quality of life's changed. Love it, man. Yeah. Thanks. For Thank on. you for all you're doing, brother. This is like, I have so much enjoyed listening to the episodes prior to coming on. So, ah, oh, dude, I appreciate that. And, and right back at you, man. Yep. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So if you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back and just level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to therichlifeacademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info and how you can connect with us live in person, all kinds of great valuable tools you can get that over at therichlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always want to know, who do you guys want to hear me interview next? Let me know. Shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friend. <laughs>